one. Recording in progress. And welcome everybody Another episode of Swing Thoughts I'm not 100% sure that I remember if we did any of these when I was in Mexico the first time, did we? No, I don't think we did no. well, this We're making this technology work yeah. across thousands and thousands of miles it's so weird because you and I have been doing the show remotely since early, early days. In fact, you were, as I've mentioned before, the first person I knew, I think, that had Zoom. Yeah, I was an early adopter. <laughs> no, for, for, for maybe the once and only time in my life I could say that. <laughs> That's pretty impressive there. Well, of course, it was. Uh, I, I was. I was dragged into it by my confreres in the uh, in the Mankind Project. They they were using this thing, and I was comfortable. And went, "Hey, Howard, can maybe I could spare myself from driving into Etobicoke yeah. on the frickin' 401, and maybe we could just do this thing this way." And uh, lo and behold, it seems to have worked, and still works. Isn't that interesting that so many things in life have been created by pain avoidance? <laughs> that's the way it works. Well, I, I would t- when you say that most things <laughs> no, absolutely been created do that. Yeah. And by the way, I want to apologize in advance before we actually start the show. I know I haven't introduced ourselves. I got a bit of a cold, like a lot of uh, people. Uh, anyway, welcome to Swing Thoughts. There you go. Uh, I'm uh, recording this and broadcasting to Tim from a place called Puerta Aventuras, which means the adventure port, obviously, if you speak some Spanish. It's about uh, 20 minutes south of Playa del Carmen in the uh, Mayan Riviera, Riviera Maya. Speaking of which, I'll tell you about a golf course I'm going to get to play tomorrow, but uh, it's about 50 minutes. You've yet to stay. It's in Mexico, so I just thought I would interject that. <laughs> I, I, I thought I did. I apologize. I thought, I thought by all that Spanish, it would say, it would, okay, anyway, it is uh, south of Playa del Carmen, Mexico, 50 minutes south of Cancun, and, uh, and P, speak, I was going to say Riviera Maya, speaking of PGA Riviera Maya, I'm going to get a chance to play there tomorrow, and the next Swing Thoughts, I'm going to do a report on it, why? Because, uh, nice. they're, because they're kind enough to uh, give me and my golf buddy Grant, who came in all the way from uh, New Brunswick. A, a break on it. It's it's not cheap to play golf here on this part of Mexico, but it uh, and and I listen. I also feel bad by, you know. I know there's a lot of people listening. You're going to go. Okay, it's so hot, but you know. I know we're having some some weather in Canada, and I was very very lucky to be able to come down and do the show, the Humble and Fred show, as well as Swing Thoughts here for a couple months. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's. It, you know, uh, we live in Canada, so it gets cold. It's uh, February 1st when we're recording this, and um, there's snow on the ground, which it should be. I'm actually pleased that we have snow on the ground instead of, you know, just brown yuckiness. Of course, I want winter to be over at the end of February and spring to instantly start, but for now, <laughs> I'm okay. 
That's so funny. I, I did, used to do this joke, and, and the, the premise of which is that every year Canadians have this fantasy that somehow this will be the year that winter passes us by. And, you know, we get a couple of nice weeks of weather, you know, maybe late December, early January. We're like, oh, maybe winter has forgotten us. <laughs> um, nah, we're gonna, that uh, never I, happens. You no, know, exactly. It never does. Uh, and, and as far as the equipment goes, you know, there, there might be a few listeners here, a little bit of a delay. Uh, the Internet where I am today, this morning, was fantastic, but... Uh, it is a little bit spotty, so there might be some, as they call in the Zoom world, some latency in terms of, you know, Tim talking, me talking. But we're going to do the best we can. As always, this program is baked fresh and brought to you by our very, very good friends <laughs> at, uh, at TaylorMade and my good friend. Why that sends me, I don't know. I don't know. Because you know why? Because we're old and stupid, silly things make us laugh. Uh, our good friends at TaylorMade who uh, fitted my good friend Tim uh, O'Connor. I want to hear about that. And a very good friend of mine is here, as I mentioned. Uh, Grant McDougal is somebody that I got to know through the miracle of uh, Zoom technology. And, uh, and I was telling Tim before we started recording that, you know, golf has a unique ability to make fast friends of golfers, especially the kind of golfers that listen to this show. And so at some point, Grant's going to join us and talk about the idea of, you know, what we're doing down here. We're hanging out as buddies and playing some golf. But also, Timmy, I thought it was interesting we could have this conversation about how, unlike any other sport, you don't really have to know somebody, you know, physically very well. But if, you're, if they're a golfer, you can know everything about them in a very short time. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's why golf became the sport of the business world. You just get to know someone so well. And I think you're you're bang on in terms of how you get to know someone. There's just a commonality just in terms of, of, of the language. Um what's important what we're aspiring to i mean it's all we're all just we're all just the same goofballs <laughs> hoping well, you know that this white ball when we hit it will go somewhere where we want it to go well no for sure and and um you know I, so the couple things we want to touch on today is your fitting with our good friends at TaylorMade, which is again we're very lucky we're, i know we're we're really lucky this whole golf thing and getting to having to deal with those guys and, and, and what, a, what an experience. We've been talking about having a great fitting experience at TaylorMade for over seven years, but um, we can, we'll touch on that. And also, again, this idea that, uh, you know, because we speak this language, and it is a language of golf, it, it, you know, we have commonality with golfers everywhere in the world. But also, you can become, you know, very good friends with somebody in a very short time especially the kind of golf Absolutely. talk that we do on this show. And you, you said you've had that experience. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a shared experience, I think, because so much of what um, so much of golf is about, you know, hope. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, you know, please, dear God or whatever entity you believe in, um, you know, may this work out right. And I don't look like an idiot or, you know, but I, we're all just trying to uh, do our best and, and, you know, watching how someone say responds to, you know, a plug lie in a bunker and the two attempts to extricate it in which they don't. 
and you know hopefully the person you know laughs or or or, or just in a way and, and just we could just see ourselves and what's going on it's just it's an amazing it's a it's a mirror it's a shared experience um yeah i think you get to know someone playing golf better than almost any other thing you could do watching a, a jays game or whatever because the because I think mainly it's because you see the way people react. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you yank a ball out of bounds and like within milliseconds, you know, by their body language, what they say, you just know so much about them in terms of their belief system, self-image, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I just remembered a story that we haven't you know, told for a while. Maybe some of the uh, new uh, STDs hadn't heard us talk about how you and I had talked quite a bit about golf. You were interviewing me for some article and we were having a few lunches together when we came up with the idea for a podcast. And we'd been sort of you know, talk. Uh, we knew immediately that we were we 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 thought very deeply about golf. You and I, we were very immersed in the the language of it. And then we played golf for the first time, and uh, for the first few holes, you just this kept, again, this no, again. It's 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 not. It's only by way of saying I got to see how you reacted. And our, after I wouldn't say months of talking to you, but for many our, many meetings of talking to you, I finally got to watch you play golf. And uh, for the first six or seven holes, you were shanking half a dozen irons. And I thought to myself, man, I love this guy because I don't know how he's not like losing his shit. But you didn't. And the way you reacted to it was it told me everything I needed to know about you is my point. I learned everything I needed to know about you as a guy, as a as a friend, as a mentor, as a fellow guru. I, I, I learned a lot about you, I should say, that has stood the test of time because you are exactly who that guy was that day shanking balls all over Glenn Karen and you and the way you took it is the way you are and and and, and it's not and I think it's instructive that or in, in whatever that like you it's not like you get a glimpse of that person in that moment you get a glimpse of that person as a total personality would you not agree oh 100% um absolutely I mean that's why I took that um saying uh golf is life from ted lasso right in uh with the um uh what the hell's his name danny from mexico he says yes. football is life i went you're absolutely right it's not a metaphor for life it is life the way we show up in golf is the way we show up in life and the way we show up in life is in golf you just see you just see you know, we're just sort of we. I think you said it before. We're kind of naked out there. I don't mm. care if you're like, you know, whether you know you play a corporate golf event, whether you're the male boy or the CEO. <laughs> we see you in your entirety. Right, you can't hide. Golf. And, and and you know, when I was at uh, yep. that, when I was at the fancy course in Woodbridge for many years, I used to see these guys the drive up in there. <laughs> yeah, when I was at that fancy pants course in Woodbridge. Um, I used to see these guys drive up in their Ferraris and their Lamborghinis, and I'd think to myself, you know, no matter how much money you have, you know, in a couple minutes, we're going to see what you're really like. And, you know, all that money in the world can't buy your game. You can't buy a game. You have either, you know, you have to work for it and everything. But I remember thinking, like, you, you drove in here as this captain of industry, but, you know, you shank one on the second hole, we get to see that you're just a little boy. You know, you're still a little bit of a, you know, that's who you really are. And you can't hide that. Money can't cover it up. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's um, it's wonderful in that regard. And that's why I was saying earlier, 
um, in the 90s, it became the game of of the business world because you form relationships with people because you just get to interact and have fun and in all different ways. But you also see people that you might not want to do business with. Right. You know, and, you know, what'd you make there? Uh, made a five. Mm, really? Is that new math? <laughs> I could have sworn that was. Yeah, uh, yeah you were five off the tee. How about that? Yeah. Oh, I forgot. That's right. Oh. I forgot we were playing by the rules. Well, you know, it's funny because as I mentioned to you in our little pre-show meeting uh, in late fall of uh, 2021, we were I received an email from this dude that had been listening to us for a while. And uh, in the space of 14 or 15 months, he's become a really good friend of mine, even though I've only ever hung out with him once in person, which was last spring in Toronto. We came to town for some business. And uh, But because of the way we talk about golf, not just you and I talk about it, but the way that my friend Grant McDougall and I talk about it, and, and at first he was one of those guys that signed up for the, you know, the decade, uh, you know, strategy sessions, and we, you know, we talked a lot about his game, and, and it, as it developed, but we just became really good friends, and cut to... You know, Grant and his wife and a couple of, uh, another couple are coming down to Mexico in a few weeks. And I said, hey, I'm going to be in this place around the same time or maybe we could get together. Well, it turned out. So he came to spend a week with me to golf first. Then he's going back to hang out with his wife and family. Um, and I just want to introduce him. We've actually had Grant on the show. Grant's here with me and I'm staying at my brother's place. And, uh, and I was saying to Tim Grant, like, it's so weird, like. In no other no other sport could you get to know somebody so remotely and yet feel like you have so much in common with them. Thanks, Howard. Tim, good to see you. I know you can't see me. I'm just around the corner here. Uh, good to hear you, Grant. <laughs> can't hear him. Oh, he said, oh, I'm sorry. He said, good to hear you. I'm going to take these off now. I just wanted to make sure your mic was working. Go ahead, go ahead Tim. Say, good to hear you, Grant. Good to hear you, Grant. <laughs> Welcome to... Thanks, so yeah, it's been an interesting 14 New months Brunswick. getting to know the Howl Man here. And um, I was listening to you guys chat about golf and how it is revealing. But when you're talking golf all the time, it's character revealing. And I know you touched on it a bit, Tim. And folks used to, back in the 80s and 90s, do the final interview for a job on the golf course. You heard a lot about that. You see yep. how a person conducts themselves. Um, you find out whether they're full of grace or full of poison or do they lie and cheat or do they play the play by the rules? I guess you find out a lot about a person's character and what they're made of. And the conversations I've had with Howard over the last 14 months told me a lot. Here's an interesting guy <laughs> full of character. And, but more than, more than anything, it revealed a lot of commonalities between us, not just in the way we think about the game, but similar to what you guys are talking about, being golf is life. Similar, we have similar outlooks on how to live your life with uh, passion and joy, and 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 know what makes you happy. And uh, so Howard and I have bonded over that for sure. And we were down here spending five, six, six, seven days together. Not re- like both of us were kind of wondering how's this going to go. Do we? Do I really know this guy? Well, yeah, exactly. Out, yeah, it turns out that. Uh, our conversations and our commonalities and the fun that we had online uh, translates pretty well to real life. And, and Tim, we're going to tell you a story here in a second or two about character revealing that has nothing to do with golf. 
because something happened here on the very first night we were together in my brother's, actually, it's not his place. It's my brother's lady friend's place. And I'll just say a little foreshadowing. The how man almost set the place on fire. Um, but Timmy, you were saying to me like before the show, like the guy, I, I became friends with Tim very quickly over our discussions of golf and same with Grant, same with my other friend, uh, Kent Osborne. But what is it about, and I'll ask both of you this, like, what is it? And Tim mentioned, like, I don't know, do guys that like baseball bond this way or do they talk about the deep, you know, richness of the game in terms of the struggles that we all have? What is it about the game, Tim and, and uh, Grant, that, you know, brings people together in a way I think that is so unique to the sport? Is it because it is it? And I'll finish the question. Is it because we play it as well as watch it? Is that it? Um. I think that obviously that we play the game is a is a huge part of it. I mean, consider after the Kansas City Cincinnati game, you know, the other night, you know, the guy makes the the what the the guy gets the um uh, the, the penalty the he pushed Mahomes out of bounds, and you can kind of talk about that and see how the guy reacts. But I think with golf, because you play the game. And you're so connected with it and what you're doing and is it coming the way you want and what you desire and everything. It's it's so much like the rest of life. And I think what you and I found, Howard, is that um, as we got to know each other, we just kept tapping and going a level deeper, a level deeper, a level deeper to understand what what made this guy tick and mm-hmm. and to kind of. You know, I would share an experience and you'd go, oh, yeah, oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> Someone who understands. <laughs> and we just I think we just bond through that. But there's there's so many commonalities. And I just think that um, it, it's it, it, this is going to sound really weird, really squishy, especially to guys. What it what it does, it creates Intimacy. Yes, yes, I said the word fucking intimacy. Easy now. Hey, hey, <laughs> what it is, is take a drink. <laughs> is just that that it's almost like posing an invitation of how open I can be. Yes. Because with golf, so much of what why it it drives me crazy and keeps me awake at night and why it caused me to mope around the house for two days <laughs> is just it's so so connected right. to what I aspire for myself and what I want and the things that drive me crazy about myself. And so when I connect with someone else who gets that, right. man, there's that's a place for connection. So I, I asked the question of you, Grant McDougall, who's a very fine golfer, by the way. I just want to mention that, too. Um, and and it had such great success after following the uh, GSL uh, decade program. If you want inquiries, please. Anyway, so what do you think it is? Is it because that we both are fans of the game, but also that we play it and the way we think about it? What would you say to that? Yeah, I'd align with what Tim says uh, with regards to the depth of connection, which is about how much emotion is around how we play the game um, when we play the game. Certainly, I've played golf with a lot of guys that I haven't become friends with, um, guys that maybe – maybe are as passionate about it as me, 
but just look at it in a different way. And, and, you know, in terms of comparing it to other sports, I've played a lot of other sports. Right. I played lacrosse and played hockey and, and at, at decent levels. And I can tell you that there's guys I played hockey with in junior, guys I traveled around the country with playing lacrosse. And we are still very, very, very good friends, even though we don't see each other very much because we shared a lot of emotional times together. And golf has a has a capacity to give you a bolus of that over 18 holes uh, you can connect with someone over things that happen on the golf course because there's you know it's back to commonality uh, but you reveal emotions you share emotions you share a, a tough time or a really happy time uh, it's pretty easy to connect once people are i think you mentioned this tim i'm just saying it in a different way um when people reveal who they are through their display of emotions yeah. and, and the way they feel about what's going on around them. Well, and I think that's, you're both saying, you know, things that I believe as well. Like, like I, I also have, you know, I have a lot of sort of golf buddies that, you know, I play golf with or I see golfing that I, that I don't have this conversation with, you know, the quiet, uh, I group that you created or the group of STDs that we've created over seven years. Like, you know, people always ask me about the numbers of people that listen to the podcast. And, you know, we may not have, you know, uh, a, a huge audience, but the audience we have, the Rudras and the other people that listen to this show, think about golf in a very specific way that not that's not available to all guys. And I totally agree with what you say about creating intimacy, because intimacy is just the ability and willingness to be open about something that you know and i'm that way with you timmy and you've always been that way with me and you know when i started working with grant and a few other people like grant wasn't the only person that signed up for the gsl course but he and i have become very good friends because you know he shared with me you know some vulnerable you know moments about golf as mm-hmm. we have shared as certainly i've shared on this show for 220 episodes i've said some things out loud about the way i deal with golf that you know i'm I wasn't afraid early on, I think, to show an unflattering side of the way I deal with golf. And because I think a lot of people can see themselves and, you know, me, you know, you, you make some progress and then the next thing you know, you're throwing fucking seven hours into a forest. So, you know, exactly because I think that but not all golfers and I'll wrap up by saying not all golfers relate to golf the way the three of us do and the people that listen to us do, because but I think all golfers have the same feelings that we have about golf. They may not be as, you know, forthcoming about them, but I think they relate to them. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so here's another uh, weird thing I'm going to say. Um, vulnerability gives you power. It gives you power. And and people find that like, what do you mean by that yeah i said what it does in so many ways it it takes off the takes off the chains that i put on myself basically the fears that i have how i will be judged and that kind of thing and that just in so many physically it inhibits us inhibits us in things we say even in things we allow ourselves to think but when we kind of remove those chains allow ourselves just to kind of just to be I find it's amazing how much actual, you know, how we can tap into into parts of ourselves that we didn't even know were there and experience joy and, and say things. And, oh, that just came out of my mouth. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and And how fun it is and how maybe, you know maybe insightful i can be i mean it's 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 connecting it's discovery 
But I, I really think that, uh, and this is a shoemaker thing, and I, I believe in it uh, 100%, is I don't think actually through golf we're looking for um, happiness or prestige or that we're going to be um, highly regarded as we walk through the clubhouse, you know, titan of the golf course. I think what we're looking for is freedom. And I think that in that freedom, uh, just golf, life, everything is is just more fun. And we learn more about ourselves in, in every way. And uh, that's a pretty cool place to be. Yeah. Well, no, I, I, I agree. And I, I know so much of what you said, too, resonates in other areas. You know, like I know you've taken some improv, but, I, you know, when I, when I talk to people about mm-hmm. the best times I've ever had on stage. Well, let me let me reverse that. The worst times I have on stage are where I'm not being vulnerable, where I'm being, you know, in my head or being regimented about I have to get this stuff out the exact way I rehearsed it. It's when you it's when you make mistakes. It's when you screw up and you, you know, there's a a phrase I'm a consultant I worked with years ago. I love this phrase. He said, don't you you don't deny the verbal reality. And what what a lot of radio and TV folks do is they'll make a mistake. And we all we've all heard it and seen it. But because they're not acknowledging it, we think, well, that's that's not authentic. But some of the best times I've had on stage now going in that direction are being are when I've screwed something up, admitted to the audience that that was a lot funnier when I wrote it or or that. I've actually said this to an audience. I said, let me just stop for a second. I've gone up to my notebook and I'll say something like that's no that's not even close to what I wanted to say. Let me try this out on you guys. And And here's the thing that they do. They will go with you on that because. First of all, they know you screwed it up. Secondly, they're happy that you've acknowledged it. It makes them feel good. And thirdly, they're like cheering for you now because because of what you said, because of the vulnerability that you were willing to share with them. Yeah, well, that was it's interesting you mentioned improv because that was one of the key takeaways that I had from it. I I did um, improv for two years uh, with Haley Kellett in Guelph. And it was it was such a struggle for me to let go of this desire to to do it right and and what will people think of me. And when I could just let go of that and just be, it was amazing some of the things that would come out of my mouth. Some of them would, you know, they'd be kind of average and cringeworthy as improv could be. But sometimes it could just be really funny or just add to the story. And it wasn't from a from a place of trying to do it right which is my you know one of my things i just let it happen and it was quite amazing so i did a little bit of improv as a young man i can't believe howard we haven't talked about this before cool wait wait a second if i didn't known that i don't know if i'd gone on this trip with you yeah so (laughs) but it was a long time ago i was a student and and there was a class i took and uh, it was one of those memories i have that it's very, very clear. I loved it. And um, when I did aptitude tests as a kid, uh, they had these these uh, tests you could take that were throughout the school system, and they would they would kind of point you in the direction of, hey, here's what you might want to think about doing. And mine was always on stage. I wanted it to say professional hockey player, but it kept saying, <laughs> you should be in theater of some sort because I'm a bit of a show off that way. But but I always enjoyed it. So what I what I took out of the experience I had doing improv was, and there's a lot of golf correlation here, what appears to be easy and amazing and creative and sometimes is on stage 
is the result of a shit ton. Sorry, Tim, I didn't want to offend you by swearing. A shit ton of work. We would spend hours rehearsing oh, yeah. different skits, different scenarios, different things that are funny, different things to play out. And then we'd go to a junior high school and the kids would put their hand up and say, hey, can you do this thing? And it would be exactly what we've been practicing for a month. Right. And, and so what that would do is make us look like geniuses. So if you think about what happens when, when somebody hits a really good shot or they hit one into the woods and they chip it out effort, effortlessly to a good spot, put it on the green and have a chance at par, that shit doesn't happen by accident, right? There's a lot of work there. And, and it may seem natural. It may seem flowing. And you may look back and go, oh, man, that guy's talented or that girl. But you go... There's a lot of work that goes. Sure. You know, and, and what you were saying to me about the vulnerability yeah. piece, too, is that, you know, because we've talked a lot the last few episodes about the nature of change and making changes to your golf swing in the winter and 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 taking it to the golf course, which Grant and I have had a chance the last three days. I know it's you want to rub it in, but here we are golfing while it's like super cold at home. And at one point the other day, it was like 30 degrees and it was so hot and we're like kind of both looking at each other. It was a really long round. And just before we got to complaining, we're like, oh, yeah, we got to do this today. It was, you know, we're in this, exactly. we're in this cauldron of, of heat. But uh, We should text our friends and say, hey, man, it's really hot. Today. It's so hot. <laughs> and this round's taking forever. But uh, back to the vulnerability <laughs> point, you know, if you want to make a change in your golf swing, you have to be willing to be vulnerable by how shitty you're going to hit it for a while and that's the reason that most people don't like mm-hmm. to make change in general but in golf specific because man you know it's one thing to take it from the indoor sim to the range and then it's another thing to take it from the range to the golf course and you know i can tell you personally i've experienced some pretty wonky swings this week and in all the things i've been working on i've said this to grant the things i've been working on for a good couple or, or three months i might have had you know, a total of 15 swings in three rounds that felt like that. The rest of it was my swing that mm-hmm. my normal motion, because it takes a long time to reprogram it. Back, I'm gonna, the, the point being that if, if you really do want to make a change, like, you know, famously that Faldo did, you're going to hit some crappy shots for a while. And are you okay doing that? Yeah, I I love that. And, you know, what it reminds me of is our our late friend, George McNamara. And and one of the things I'm connecting it to is a a line I've heard recently um, is that what we resist persists. Right. And so people will have a say they slice the ball. You know, God, I hate to slice. I need to fix this kind of thing. And um, so we start to fixate it. And when and actually what happens is that we just we just almost imprinted more. And I loved what George McNamara said about a guy who came to him and, and he said, uh, you know, can you cure my slice? How long have you been slicing? Oh, about 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> so George goes out on the range and he says, okay, let's see you slice the ball. And the guy goes, what do you say? I don't want to slice the ball. I want to cure that. George says, can you just, let's just roll with me here a bit. Let's just hit some slices. And and George says, within like five, ten minutes, the guy's hitting like the worst god-awful slices you ever saw. But as the guy did it, he started to get a better understanding of what he was actually doing, what he was experiencing. And so, to use your phrase, the temperature 
the thermostat lowered mm-hmm. and he started to get some insights on what he does. And so much was his, his mindset and what his body was doing. And George said that. Um, so the guy went off and he came back, I don't know, months later and said that, oh, yeah, now I hit a nice draw. He basically cured his slice because of awareness. And it wasn't be- and it wasn't because because in essence, in a way we can make a connection here that he was he accepted it. And he was, in essence, vulnerable to it and allowed it to happen. And through that, he got some insight and gradually just kind of worked his way through it. Well, we've said this before a bunch of times, you know, and it's famous, I'm not sure if it's a Roman philosopher, but awareness is curative in every sense of the word, whether it's in business or in golf or in, you know, in relationships. Um, I want to get to your fitting, but I, I did want to tell you. So Grant and I, again, we've set the table. And we've been playing golf for a few days, but we'd never really spent much time together. And we both arrive at separate times and we get here to my brother's place. And it's really, really, you know, nice. We're both grateful that we get to stay here and it's pretty nice. And I'm, I'm, I was not feeling that great. So I thought about 10 o'clock at night, I'm going to make some tea. And I talking to Grant and. You know, we're having, you know, we're having these great conversations about golf and life and philosophy. And I'm sort of absentmindedly take the tea. Uh, it's a tea kettle. Like it's an electric tea, tea kettle that you put on a base. I take it off, put some water in it, get the tea bag. And then without really thinking, because I have a tea kettle at home that you have to put on the stove. So I put it on their fancy glass cooktop <laughs> stove. And, you know, I turn around. We're talking for a couple minutes. All of a sudden, we both turn around and there's like fucking chernobyl style fumes filling the apartment it's like the smell of burning rubber and it's adhesing to the top of the glass stovetop and it's stuck there and i'm trying to take it off and it's like this gooey mess out of a cartoon and i don't know what to do with it and we this if there was a smoke alarm in this building they would have shut the building down there have been people in hazmat suits and i'm like horrified it's like you know that kind of slow motion like no and Grant and I are just like yeah. we we work the problem. Eventually, I you know the next day I uh, had Googled how to remove burnt rubber off a glass cooktop because apparently I'm not the first person to do it. It's and the know, guy that wrote the end. Howard was the second guy. <laughs> That's right, the guy that wrote the end. I was number two, but it was nail polish remover. So I, I, I've returned oh. the glass stovetop to its pristine state but we had talked about this in terms of you know how you do one thing is how you do everything yeah. and i will turn it over to grant for because my reaction to it wasn't to throw my seven iron into the forest no it wasn't it was really impressive um i gained a, a measure of respect for the Hellman in watching him react and we had a long chat about it because when when you like i watched him take the electric tea kettle and put it on the stove but we were in the middle of another conversation and I thought well he must know what he's doing <laughs> but but when we turned around when he turned around because his back was to it and I was looking at it and I saw some smoke and then he lit he, he immediately went grabbed the tea kettle lifted it up in the most calm fashion it was like uh, it was just super cool what he did in terms of his reaction no panic no screaming, did everything he needed to do, shut it down, immediately went to work. Like he immediately set to rectifying the situation. We were surrounded by the nastiest smelling smoke and, and 
like thank god it's almost which, which we're pretty sure has given us black lung at this point right yeah i exactly see i witnessed the same night. thing when howard and i played in the uh, the sogging two-man team senior thing and i sculled a a wedge off a green during alternate shot and he just responded with grace <laughs> it was exactly- <laughs> by the way did you hey I, we got i got the invitation are we gonna play that again 100 percent. let's right. do it we're gonna get i got it band. too but uh, i'll just let grant finish because it I was learn, yeah what i came to learn was this is instant you know you talk about changing your swing and most of it's subconscious and all that stuff well howard um you might not know this about him because he doesn't like to talk about it but he's a pilot Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> uh, shut up, both of you. His pilot training kicked in. Uh, he talked about what happened there was analogous. If you have an emergency in the cockpit, you can't dick around. There's things that are, are, are uh, buried deep inside you that immediately go into action. How do I fix this situation? And I, and I, and I saw that happen. Like, what could have been? Like, if we, I think if that thing had spent five or ten seconds more on the burner, we might have had a much more significant situation. He immediately got it off the burner. He took steps to... And, and then, after we, we settled the initial emergency, the dude was fixated on making that stovetop better than it was before. And, yeah, not to the, to the surprise of no one, I got fixated on how to fix yeah. burnt rubber on a stove, well, which I've become an expert in. Which is very simple. He's a responsible think. young man. Well, listen. Oh, wow. He's, you know, I've, I've watched him now. I've played some golf with him a significant amount in the last three days, but I've, we've talked about it a lot, and he's trying not to hook it into the woods off the tee under pressure, and he is fixated on that problem in much the same way he was fixated on cleaning that stovetop and he's fixed the stovetop so will he fix the yeah well under pressure cut to yesterday after the third round in the middle of this hot hot day and we've been on the golf course it was a five hour 15 round on the fourth last hole i hooked my drive into the woods and i not only said fuck once i said it twice with some enthusiasm trust fuck. me the double fuck <laughs> i did the double fuck um all right listen I'm gonna let hey, Grant, i want to hear you how you guys responded you could we could go a little uh, shorter on this one but how did you respond to Buddy, who had the longest pre-shot routine, but still shot 120? Because I've because we've all played with that guy. Well, How did you guys deal with it? You know what? Uh, I was telling Tim before the show, Grant, that we play with this really nice guy, and and he loves the game, and he's not a very you know he's not a great golfer, but he's our host, and he couldn't have been nicer. But you know, the, part of the reason the round was long yesterday is we were behind a bunch of people. Secondly, it's a very difficult golf course, like. I can't describe how it's, I don't know, slopes 74, 75. Like it's a really, or I mean, it's a horse rating. It's really tough. Um, it's basically fairway, very little rough jungle. It's 35 yard wide fairways. And this guy is, a, he loves the game, but his, his, and so it's one thing to shoot 75 and take a long time over the ball, but to shoot 120, or whatever he shoots, it's every shot he takes this, he has this long routine. So, yeah, how do we deal with it? I don't know. We uh, Grant went to sit. <laughs> Grant went to sit in the shade. I just kept putting my head down, looking at the ground, thinking, "Will I ever see my family again?" <laughs> we talked about it. We. I can't. I can't reiterate how nice a man uh, this guy was, and uh, and a and a gracious host. And Howard and I talked about it uh, a bunch over the last couple of days. It was just like it's a it's a test. It's another Absolutely thing. Is. Right? It's it's another thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. how we feel about what's going on and under some pretty adverse con- adverse conditions god i apologize to all my friends back home 
it's it's thirty degrees <laughs> and there's points there's points during the round where you feel like your brain is boiling. <laughs> That's <part>. right. <clears throat> and at oh one yeah, point, yeah. At one point early in the back nine yesterday, uh, we came around the corner to the to the tee and we wanted uh, our friend to to go first, and he got out and he started his routine. And at, it was the hottest point in the day at the hottest point in the golf course. And I looked at Howard and I said, I'm just going into the jungle. Right? <laughs> so I'm going to the jungle. I may never come back. <laughs> and and, and cut me. it was funny because later in Grant said, what were you thinking? I said, and I said oh, well, I was thinking I may not see my family again. And will my children recognize me? Um, yeah, exactly. okay. Maybe that's what that Guns N' Roses song was about, was <laughs> hitting, uh, going into the jungle. I got to tell you a quick story. Uh, a couple years ago, on men's night it was during covid so there's not as many golfers on the course uh i'm playing with this fellow it's just him and i and this guy is actually not a bad little player for a guy who had been playing the game for just a couple of years he was like you know 65 ish or so but on the greens he was painstakingly precise about lining the little fucking line on his ball He's bringing back trauma, hence, hence the I language. See that uh, language, <laughs> Jesus. But anyways, he would just so painstakingly and you know painstakingly to watch, you know, and be with him. And but he would go through this interminable routine and miss and miss and miss. So anyway, but we had a nice time. So anyways, he signs up to play with me the next men's night. I'm also playing with the men's captain. Well, the men's vice captain and uh, his buddy. We get to the uh, the tenth tee, and Frank Cancellaris. He looks at his watch. He goes, he goes, two hours and forty five minutes to play the front nine. Unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> this dude, by the, the the dude with like the routine with the line. We get to the twelfth hole, and he goes, "Oh, guys, my back's flared up." Oh, this is what the the. the oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, the yeah, lining up. He to knew. It. He knew what was going on. Aww. And and anyways, I'll just bring the moral of that story is you can't cure anyone in slow play. They have to realize themselves with playing with other people. Going, hmm, something's not right here. Well, maybe I need yeah, to speed up. This person is definitely aware. Although not as aware as you might like them to be. Uh, Grant, thank you very much. We're going to wrap things up. So. Uh, uh, we want to talk about Tim's fitting, and Tim's got a new, uh, 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 not a new blog, but a new way to get the blog. I'll uh, let you go. You can just hang for a second. Um, listen, Tim. Good to talk to you, Grant. Be well. Have fun. Thanks, Tim. Great to talk to you, too. Talk to you later, Howard. Okay, uh, there's my buddy Grant McDougall, and uh, we're going to be, we're taking a day off of golf today. I know, oh, so terrible, because uh, both of us are old and sore. Um, I want to talk <laughs> a little, yeah, well, you know, and, and I, knew we would, I knew we would need a day, because, uh, you know, going from not playing to playing three days in a row, and, oh, you yeah, know, warming yeah. up and swinging golf clubs. You know, I thought I was in golf shape, you know, hitting balls indoors, but I, I'm not. Like, it takes, I said to him on the first day, we were just hitting it like shit. I said, you know, it's going to take a while. Sort of get your sea legs. Yeah. Um, let me, but but let's talk about hitting balls indoors. Our friends at TaylorMade, as I mentioned off the top of the show, have been so good to us, and we hope that we've been able to impart to you, our STDs, our Swing Thought friends, the value of fitting in general. Not everyone's brand, uh, you know, loyal, whatever that phrase is. But I will tell you, the fitting experience at TaylorMade that we both have enjoyed for years now. I'll just say finishing up by, by way of finishing up that 
don't buy new clubs if you're not going to get fit. It doesn't make any sense. And if you're buying tailor-made clubs, do yourself a favor if you can. And the GTA, for sure, get to a fitting. Because as you found out, and, and we both have found out over the years, it really makes a difference. Oh, absolutely. And I would just say, um, yeah, it's... Um it, it costs a little bit to get, get say, new irons or whatnot. But, man, they last you for the longest time. And if they're fitted, uh, you're just going to get such value out of that. And you're going to find the game more fun, uh, easier to play. And, hell, you play better. And so I was really fortunate. I got um, fitted yesterday by Mac Harrison. What a terrific young man. We had a, we had a great time. You know, obviously uh, – a, a really good professional, but a, a great storyteller in his own right. We had a lot of fun, but um, the, the thing that I got out of it was how how when you're fitted by a real professional, how they just make it easier. The club feels better in your hands, easier to swing, and just addresses issues. So one of the things that so I've been playing the uh, the P790 irons for a couple of years and um, I had been playing regular for a couple regular flex for a couple of years and then I went to stiff uh, a couple of years ago just for dispersion just to kind of reduce the ball going you know more sideways but one of the things that Mac noticed yesterday is that I wasn't getting as much spin because of that and um the um i wasn't getting as much spin and um the ball wasn't carrying as far mm-hmm. and also what he noted was that going through the hitting area um that the toe would come up a little bit and so he if we just flattened the lie by one degree mm, it just made it so that the, the toe would just stay down and just for for just create a more solid shot, and it was less likely that the toe would close uh, through impact and give me that you know that that tuggy shot. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I just use that as an example of how fitting uh, is an amazing experience because it can address real issues in your game. Well, and I'm, I love that. I just want to jump in and say you know you know sometimes people talk or when we talk about getting fit, you know it's sort of the the analogy of being fit for a suit is, is a good metaphor because, you know, a, a good tailor can make, you know, you, maybe you're a bit wide here or narrow there and it can sort of overcome some of your natural physical deficiencies yeah, yeah. the same way that you described. That's, that's such a great part of, of that story because those little tweaks can make such a huge difference. Um, and again, you're not changing your golf swing. It's just changing how your golf clubs interact with the ball, uh, did you get a chance yep. to swing the uh, the uh, shiny new Stealth? I did. I, so yes, I got the Stealth Two Plus. Nice and loved it. And uh, you know, it's um, you know, I've been practicing acceptance for a few years, <laughs> and uh, good thing because yesterday i shifted from a um a stiff shafted driver which i've had for years and years to to standard to regular right that's to, okay. to regular flex and well at least you and, didn't go to um, senior flex yeah exactly i was a little worried there that 
he, when he first gave me a club to swing, it was an iron. It had a graphite shaft. He's going, really? Really? Is it come to this already? <laughs> well, you know, years ago when, right, I, when, anyways, I, when I first got back into golf, before I met the guys at TaylorMade, I had a, a set of, I'm trying to think what that set was. I think it was Adams, and I bought it off a guy. I hadn't had new clubs in years, and they were uh, graphite shafts. Like, you know, we all, we're all we're all fine with graphite shafts in our, you know, our drivers, three woods and hybrids. Yeah. Uh, did My first impression of the Stealth, the new one, as I mentioned on the show, when we had to sign this NDA, but the, the finish, yeah. the finish on top of it is, I like it. I like that sort of, they call yeah, it, a, they call it a piano finish. It's sort of glossy. I don't know why it just looks kind of yeah. cool. Um, I didn't get my clubs in time to come down here, although I did get my wedges uh, and I'm getting a new spider, but uh, so you went. You're, you're going to get because we both have had 790s for a while. You're getting new irons as well, huh? Yeah, I wasn't going to. Um, I, w- I was happy with them, but when I work with Mac, we, he just saw these things and said, you know, a different shaft. You know, bend you know, them a little the bit. Yeah. He said, make the like the loft a little uh, one degree weaker, and it was just amazing. And uh, so, yeah, so. Well, I'm very so excited I for it. I actually got a whole new bag. Nice. I got, I got the Spider GTX Black. It'll be my first new putter in three years. Same with me. Uh, the high toe wedges. And I got the Stealth 2. I've had the same hybrid for... Uh, hybrid. Uh, yeah, the hybrid rescue. Right. Uh, for a couple of years. So Stealth 2. And so, yeah, I'm fully equipped. It's going to be a brand new bag is... Um, James Brown. That's right. Uh, and speaking of Papa and his new bag, Papa Tim here has got a brand new uh, way of delivering the O'Connor uh, newsletter or whatever. O'ConnorGolf.ca is where you find out more about Timmy. And, and Tim has joined an, another early adopter of the Substack revolution. A lot of people I know, a lot of broadcasters are using this sort of new way of uh, you know sharing their writing with others. And I was thrilled when you said a few weeks ago, I'm going to be porting my blog over to Substack. So maybe you can explain how, uh, what it is for people and, and what they can find at the O'Connor Substack. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, today, well, today I sent out my first uh, newsletter. It's funny, they're called newsletters. To me, they're just uh, an email that has a blog with it. <laughs> that's so right. That's the word they use. They love the, these kids um, and their new words. That's it. They just keep going with it, the kids. Yeah, no, I'm really jazzed about it. Um, what I like about uh, Substack is that it's it's geared to writers and how you connect with uh, your audience. Um, one of the cool things is that it's got you can embed the podcast, so it's a way that we I can share the podcast more. But it's um, it just makes it a lot easier you know for me to format all good stuff like that but to connect with more people and here's the the, kind of the cool part too you can even get paid oh my god get paid for it get money get paid um (laughs) there's so i'll be everyone who subscribes and who will you know new subscribers will will get free stuff but over time i'll be able to provide stuff that's say to subscribers only right so let's say i write a blog that has i I wrote i wrote a blog that's going to go out in a few days on goals 
And then, like, down the line, I'm not going to do it immediately, but down the line, I might go a little bit deeper into that goals thing so that people who are really, you know, really want to take a deeper dive into, say, their own golf performance, et cetera, they'll get that content, and that'll be at, um, for subscribers tailored only. for yeah. them. I got it. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, so I'm really jazzed about it. Um, and is it just to be clear? Did I, was and, I was I right when I said it's available at, at O'ConnorGolf.ca? Actually, no. It's gonna be it's gonna be on, if you just go to Substack and search for me okay. uh, right now. If, I think if you go to toconnor.substack.com, you'll find me. But if you just go to Substack.com and search, you'll it'll come to me. Okay, you'll right. you'll come to me if you you'll go. come to Tim O'Connor, and, and uh, when you get there, you will be happy. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, man, I'm thrilled yeah. for you. I'm very excited. You know, so we started off, you introduced me to Zoom, and uh, we're finishing off. You're introducing our audience to Substacks. Uh, I know it's, it's funny. I, it's, it's come up. It's interesting. Not funny, but it's interesting how quickly the something I'd never heard of until about six weeks ago. I was talking to an ex-broadcaster who had started. She started writing. She's a nice writer as well. And started talking about substacks and now I've it's gone from zero to you know now now everyone I know has a substack anyways dude uh, <laughs> I think it, you know what I'm really happy that technology held up and technology brought us yeah. together and uh, thanks to my band uh, my buddy uh, Grant McDougal uh, we're gonna have a couple more days and he's going home and I'm gonna be in Mexico for another well b- the better part of two months I'm gonna be here in this area for until March nice. 1st and then on March 1st, I go back to uh, where I had my heart issues. But uh, hopefully that, uh, I mean, I talked to my cardiologist. I said, did you think the uh, elevation had anything to do with it? And he just looked at me and went, like I was an idiot. He went, no. <laughs> like, no, your heart's fine. Uh, but I am lucky. Freddie and I are basically decided this winter that we would do our show on the road. Because uh, time's running out to do this kind of thing. And because of technology, we're able to. So very, very grateful for that opportunity. Thanks again to... Uh, and by the way, is O'Connor Golf no longer in... Uh, oh, no. O'ConnorGolf.ca uh, okay. certainly does exist and will continue. But one thing I wanted to interject uh, in the awkward segue, talk about heartened. Our good friends at TaylorMade and us too. What a nice start for TaylorMade this year. You got Brooke, Brooke Henderson. I just almost said Shields. Yeah, Brooke Shields is doing uh, great too on Brooke her tour. Henderson. Yeah. She goes from the playing the golf ball to the entire bag. Yeah. Wins her first event. And then Rory, um, Rory wins the DP yeah. with uh, <laughs> in dramatic fashion against uh, Patrick Reed following T-Gate and yeah. all of that. So uh, nice start for our good friends at TaylorMade. Yeah, no kidding. And I saw that uh, that uh, note you sent to our buddy Nick over there. Uh, thanks to TaylorMade.ca for uh, supporting this program as they have. Uh, very lucky to have uh, access to the latest in TaylorMade technology. Take advantage of it. Uh, even if it's just going to be like you want a new driver, that new stealth is a beauty. Uh, if you're going to get one, make sure you get fit, as we've said. And until next time, I, I think this was episode 220, if I'm not mistaken. Could be. I'm not sure. Listen, I know one thing. If you don't know, nobody knows. Uh, until next time, kids, we'll see you. Meantime. Sound of the river, you stop and you hold everything. A band is blowing Dixie.